Welcome back, movie trivia fanatics. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, and I am here with episode number 39 of Talkin' Schmodown. It was a great week. We finished off round one of the Ultimate Schmodown uh, Teams Tournament and began round two. And we had some other stuff happen, uh, so I'm pretty excited to get into it. So as I say every week, let's get ready to talk Schmodown. Alright everybody, welcome back again. I, like I said, this is episode number 39 of Talking Smodown, and I am your host, Josh the Merc Rainer, owner of Merc with Movie Blog, and producer of all these great shows that you hear right here on this network. So, thank you again for joining me. I am going to get into some great, great matches. We have three great teams matches this week, uh, but before I get into that, I always go into a little bit of news, and this week... We had the launch of the brand new show, Schmodown Backstage. It debuted this past week. Uh, this is essentially, uh, from, from what I'm gathering, the replacement for Inside Schmodown. For those of you who remember Inside Schmodown, it was like a 10 to 15 minute piece. It had Ken Knapsack on talking to competitors from the Schmodown. And a while back... Uh, it kind of just stopped. I, I'm not sure exactly what the reason was why they decided to stop doing it. I don't know if it wasn't getting the views or whatever. But there were talks. I remember Christian had said that uh, they were going to relaunch the show as an hour-long show with both uh, Ken and Roxy on as hosts. And I was pretty pretty excited for that. I was like, that that's awesome to be able to, be able to dive deeper into things. Like the 10-minute the ten, ten interviews and types of things, like you really couldn't get into much. And uh, so it wasn't quite as good as it could be. But, you know, the thought of having this hour-long show to really dive into stuff, I was really excited. But then it never happened. Uh, so then when he announced this Schmodown backstage, I kind of wondered, is this going to be a replacement for that? And it seems to be. Uh, what it is, um, it's about hour and a half to two hours is what Christian said that they'll be doing. And uh, this week, you know, Christian's one they're hosting, and it had uh, Mike Kalinowski and Ben Bateman on. And they're just talking, talking schmodown, uh, getting getting deep into things, going behind the curtain. And I loved it. It was, it's exactly what I've always wanted Inside Schmodown to be. Uh, and I got to say, I cannot wait to see more. Uh, during this episode, you know, like I said, we really get to hear them get into things, and it's fascinating. Uh, you know, they talk about all kinds of, of stuff during this one, uh, like what constitutes the greatest of all time. You know, they talk about is it Rachel Cushing? Is it Dan Merle? Uh, you know, Dan just recently got the tag titles, but he's never been an inner geekdom. Uh, you know, Mike brings up if you've never dominated in all three categories or all three leagues. How could you be considered the greatest of all time, you know? Um, and, 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 you know, he says, you know, because Rachel has been a powerhouse in all three leagues. Yes, she never won the singles title, but she's been a powerhouse player in all three leagues. So he considers her the greatest of all time. And I, it got me thinking. I was like, those are some really good points. I hadn't considered that as, 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 a, as a thought process behind this. You know, I've always thought, yeah, you know, Dan Merle, he is the greatest. But he's never dipped his toe in that league. And 
you know what? Hey, maybe season seven, he'll try out some inner geekdom and he'll crush it. I don't know. Then that, like, you know, Mike says that discussion would change, but I think I'm on Mike's side here. Uh, and that Rachel just might be that greatest of all time. Uh, they also talk about, you know, how important are the stats when it comes to this, you know? You have, the, you know, you could have, like, the best accuracy rating and still lose a game, you know? It happens all the time. I remember uh, just a reason, I think it was just the, the last match that Robert Meyer Burnett played. He had, like, a, I want to say it was, like, in the 30s accuracy level, but he still won the game. So, and, and as Christian always says, a win is a win. And that's what really matters when it comes down to it. So, I'm curious what you guys think. How important to you are stats? And who do you think is the greatest player of all time? Hit me up on Twitter at MovieBlogMerk. Let me know who the greatest of all time is. Uh, We also had uh, Ben Goddard there. He was uh, doing the engineering for this episode. Uh, And it was announced that he will actually be in the 2020 draft. So Ben Goddard will be entering the Schmodown. Uh, For those of you who know, he's he's like a film critic on on YouTube, but he's also uh, been on SEN Live since it started. And uh, I I really like this guy. He's really cool. Uh, And I'm excited to see him in the Schmodown, see what he's got. They also address... Uh, Shannon bashing Ken and Grace at the Orlando show, something that I brought up a few times in the past. Uh, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, you know, some people speculate that maybe she's the 10th manager and that's what they're alluding to. I mean, I guess we'll have to wait and see at Spectacular when uh, that is all announced. Uh, they also ask, you know, is Snyder the best teams player of all time? I thought this was a fascinating question because you look at it, like Jeff Snyder as a player, as an overall player, he he's, he can be hit or miss. He gets in his own head sometimes, um, and but he has brought two different teams to championship gold, so you cannot overlook that. You know, when he was on the Patriots, him and JTE, they had an incredible run. I think it was like nine and zero. They went. Before they lost to uh, uh, above the line, and the fact that he was able to then team up with Mark and Draco and become one of the elite teams yet again has to put him in the conversation for that. Um, they bring up if um, Drew McWeeny, if the family is able to capture gold, that Drew McWeeny might be in the conversation for that because of his run with Sam Levine on uh, on Above the Line. So, I mean, who knows? I, I, it's fascinating. Um, there are definitely a couple of people that you got to look out for, especially, you know, it's whenever you come up against a team like that, like uh, uh, the Odd Couple or even uh, the Family now, you know, you got to wonder... Man, am I gonna am I gonna make it through this match? You know, because these are two powerhouse teams, and these two players are some of the elite players of this league. So they're definitely uh, in the conversation for that. Uh, so they talk a little bit also about the draft, and Mike goes on to say that uh, if Roxy were to draft him, he would refuse to play. And I thought this was fascinating. 
Um, you know, he said that he would never be on a team with Roxy after what she did last time. Uh, and he said he would he would flat out refuse to play if she drafted him, uh, forcing her to like drop him or trade him or whatever. Um, so I, I'm I'm interested to see if something like that happens. You know, will she do that? Will she try and call his bluff and see? Uh, you know, if, if he's actually willing to uh, to to not play the game, to give up on going for that inner geekdom title. Like if he loses the title, you know, he's you know, will will he will he be willing? To give that up. I don't know, but I'm interested to find out. Uh, ben uh, uh, Bateman says that, you know, he, he, he so every, every so often he's in contact with Paul Yama. They talk a little bit about him. Um, and he says that Paul texted him at one point and said uh, that he, he had that he didn't need to respect Dan Merle in order to beat him. Which, I'll be honest, I think is a bullshit thing to say. Uh, and it's one of the biggest reasons that I don't like him. I think that respect should always be had. You don't need to disrespect somebody to beat them. If that's what you need to do, then you are not that good of a player. You know, yeah, you may have the title right now, but the fact that you need to do that, that you can't respect somebody and still play them, that shows a lot about you as a person and as a player, and it's one of the biggest reasons, like I said, that I am not a fan of uh, Paul Oyama. Uh, and then Christian also revealed that for Season 7, the opener, uh, the undercard for Season 7, if Mike Kalinowski is not the inner geekdom champ, so if he does, not, so if he loses his title to Smets at Spectacular, then there will be uh, corruption will go up against the loser of the team's tournament finals in a number one contender match uh, for that season seven opener undercard, which uh, the, the 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 main event is Mark Kanopic versus uh, the inner geekdom champion. So if if this was the case. It would be Corruption versus the loser of the uh, team tournament finals. And then as the main event, it would be Mark Kanopic versus Kevin Smets. If Mike Kalinowski retains his title, uh, who knows what, it's, what that undercard is going to be. Uh, it could be, could be just about anything. So uh, I'm interested to see. And since I'm rooting for Smets on this one, I think it's his time. Uh, then I think we're going to see this Corruption versus the... Uh, tournament uh, loser uh, number one contender match here. I think we're going to actually see that. And, uh, you know, hey, I'm interested. It's fascinating. And I love the way Christian's mind works when it comes to uh, uh, kind of mapping out these these matches and and, then these seasons. He's got a a great brain for it. And so I I love seeing what he he does next. And speaking of Christian Harloff, uh, on a recent episode of SEN Live, Christian Harloff um, kind of called me out a little bit. And I, I addressed this on this past week's uh, SEN Afterlife. But I'll just touch on it real quick here. Um, as you guys who have listened to this show for the long term know, I have mentioned this many times. I was not a fan uh, of the fact that they did a second Rocky exhibition match. The match itself is great. I have no problem with the match. It's the fact that it 
was booked in the first place. Uh, because booking a second Rocky match in the same year takes away from other possible matches. You know, not everybody wants to watch a Rocky match. And sure, okay, Christian says that this was one of the best uh, ones that they've done. Great. But like I said on SEN Afterlife, you didn't know that when you booked it. You just booked it. And you booked yourself in it. And I still think it's because you wanted to get in on it. And that's fine. Whatever. It's your, dude, it's your league. You don't have to get upset about me saying that. You know, it's your league. You wanted to get in on it. You say it's because you're the only one who could who could beat him, but, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think that you think that you're the only one who could beat him, so you had to put yourself in it, and that's fine, but don't don't pretend like you didn't do a second Rocky match that this year just for that. You could have made the Rocky match a yearly thing where, you know, someone wins it, and then that winner has to take on a new competitor every year, uh, you know, and to see if they can hold on to that thing. And that would be fascinating. And I really think that's what you should do. But it's just the fact that you did two of them and that it just rubbed me the wrong way personally because you could have fit something else cool in there. But, you know, it is what it is. I talked enough about it over on SEN After Live. You can listen to that as episode number three. You can hear more about it over there. So we are going to hop into match number one which is the Looney Bin, which is Video Drew and her partner Tom, versus the Self-Righteous Brothers, Whitney Seibold and Mark Hoyk. So we get an opening scene. Uh, Mark and Draco outside on the phone with uh, Snyder, who wants him to pick up a doll, which, at first off, it's kind of weird. And then Mark says, Ew, don't you have a... And then kind of cuts himself off. So obviously... Jeff Snyder's talking about a, uh, a sex doll here. Uh, and, I mean, whether Snyder's actually on the phone or not, you know, we're breaking a little bit of kayfabe here. Whether he's actually on the phone or not is a different story. But having Snyder call Mark and Draco to have him go pick up a sex doll, that's definitely uh, kind of... It, it, it definitely seems like something that uh, you, you'd see him do. Uh, whether he would or not, it's just that that's the vibe that the Schmodown gives off for him. Is that kind of almost like sleazy dude. And so it was really funny that that's the route that they went with. It. I love Snyder and he's he, he's a funny dude. He's real knowledgeable and everything. But yeah, and they bring up on, on uh, SEN and something that we talk about at SEN Live. It's like, you know, would you sleep on, on Jeff Snyder's couch and stuff like that? And it's like, I, I don't think I would. You know, because that's kind of the personality that he's that he gives off. Uh, again, you can hear more about that on SEN Afterlife. Uh, so after Andreco, you know, hang, hangs up his call, Emma comes up to him, uh, and they talk a bit about the draft and uh, poss- the possibility of get him, getting him back on the Five Club. So, you know, we're seeing a lot more of these draft attempts, people trying to recruit and, and steal people away from other managers. We're seeing a lot more of that. And I think I'd love to see Andreco back with Emma. I mean, he's great with the odd couple. The odd couple is great with Roxy. She helps, She really is instrumental to pulling them together. But, hey, if, if he's going somewhere else, I, I, I think Emma, I'd love to see him go back. So then, uh, speaking of Emma, Emma joins Mark Ellis on the desk for this match. And we get things started. Out first was the Looney Bin. They come out. They get seated. You know, they're weird and whatnot. And it is 
Uh, and then they cut to the outside. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, why would they be doing another cutscene? But that's not what it is. It's a weird entrance for the Self-Righteous Brothers. We have Whitney Seibold in a car telling some guy not to look in the trunk. But of course, this guy does. And when he does, Mark Hoyk is in there holding his little puzzle box. And he does something, uses his weird, crazy Mark Hoyk magic and makes this dude just disappear. And he says, hey, he told you not to look in the trunk. They then proceed to enter the studio. And man, I gotta say, Whitney's the only normal person here, and that's saying a lot. Whitney's kind of kind of weird in his own right. But the other three, off the charts weirdness. So we get into round number one. And this this one, player-wise, is kind of all over the place. Teams-wise, it's really, it, it, they stay pretty much on key with one another throughout the whole thing. I mean, they they end the they end round one almost tied. Uh, Tom winds up the yeah, the weirdo Tom, which is I, I don't understand. I don't know who this dude is, but he is impressive. Uh, winds up getting a perfect round and nails his his bonus question. So they end round one 12 to 13, but if you go back and look at the actual scores for the individuals, you know, you've got, like I said, you've got Tom getting that perfect round. And then you've got Whitney over here with seven points. You almost got that perfect round. And then you've got Video Drew with four points and Mark Hoyk with five points. So half of each team looking like they're doing great and the other half not doing so well in round one. I mean, like, Video Drew, she's, I don't know. I, I, I had a lot of hopes for her, right? But with round ones like this, you've really got, you, you got to step up your game. You know, stuff like this can really sink you. If it wasn't for Tom getting that perfect round and hitting that bonus question, I mean, you guys would be trailing quite a bit probably. But luckily for that, you know, he was able to get you guys ahead uh, at, you know, at the end of this round. Uh, and in between rounds, a couple more Band-Aids appeared on Video Drew's face. She is a strange individual, I have to say. Uh, it's, it's, I, I, I honestly don't know what to say anymore about her. She is a strange, strange individual. Uh, so we hop into round number two. And the Looney Bin spins James Bond. And strangely enough, keeps. I did not think that this was going to be a thing. I'm a, uh, from the looks on on uh, Video Drew's face, I think it's something that it must be a strength of Tom, um, because they wind up getting five out of six questions right for ten points. They they do go to multiple choice on their very first question and miss it, allowing a one point steal. But then they you know they nab two points on all the rest of the questions. So Tom must he must really know his his stuff when it comes to Bond. I mean, I honestly thought they were going to tank this round. You know, I thought it was a mistake for them to, to stick with James Bond. But, you know, Tom proved proved us wrong again. I think that if at some point... I mean, with the draft coming, they may not be a team anymore. You know, as if he's even in it. So, there's a possibility that he could wind up on a singles run. And this dude's got talent. I really think 
that whoever he is, I don't know, but I think he could really uh, do something special in the singles. So we move on to uh, the self-righteous brothers, and they spin 70s, and they keep, and they do just a little bit better. They get all six of their questions for 11 points. They go to multiple choice once on the last question, and they take the lead, 24 to 23 here. Still a super close game. Uh, I mean, yeah, what else can you say? These two teams have been kind of just going right back and forth. And this is something I was thinking. Um, When you look at that first round, it seems like, oh, maybe we should have Tom and and Whitney teaming up. They could be badass together. They scored uh, a total of 16 points together. But when you look at round two, it's obvious to me, I think, that Tom was the one who controlled round two for the loony bid. But I think Mark Hoyk may have been the one for a bigger portion of round two. I mean, maybe it was more equal. I don't know. But the first couple questions, Mark Hoyk was just popping off the answers. He wasn't even, you know, consulting with Whitney. And then they started talking back and forth. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he just, maybe Mark just had a rough first round. And he, you know, I, I mean, we haven't seen a whole lot because they only had one match uh, as a team. I mean, they, I believe they did uh, play together when they were part of Critically Acclaimed. There was like one, that's when we first saw Mark. But it, it's hard to really get a grasp on a character like him. Uh, on a player like him after so few matches. So I'm interested to see more from him and from them as a team, really. We'll, we'll see if they even stick together at all because uh, they're not protected. So we'll see what happens with the draft. The whole draft is going to screw. It's just going to throw everything into upheaval. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'd love to see more from this team. We may never see this team again. So I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I, I'm I'm excited and extremely nervous for the draft but no matter what i know that christian has a great plan for what's to come in season seven uh and this was a killer round for for both teams i mean really only i mean honestly all of the questions were answered uh whether it be by that team or by a steal we only had the one miss and which result like i said resulted in a steal I mean, again, solid. Only two two times of going to multiple choice total between the, the 12 questions. That's a solid, solid round for both of these teams. And then we head into round number three, a fairly equally solid round for, for this. Uh, they both hit their uh, two-point question. Then the loony bin goes on, gets their three, and unfortunately for the self-righteous brothers, they miss their three and are forced to answer their five to stay in the game. Uh, which they do, and then it comes down to the loony bin. Five-point question. If they miss, then they are out of the tournament. If they win, or if they, if they, yeah, if they answer correctly, then they win the game and move on in the tournament. And lo and behold, the loony bin does it. They secure that five points and grab themselves a spot in round Two. They end this match 33-31. to 31. That is a hell of a match. Those are some high, high scores. And I I am impressed by, by the loony bin here. I, I did have them 
taking out the Self-Righteous Brothers on my bracket. So I'm glad that they were able to pull it out. But, I mean, I, I was worried. Because I'll be totally honest with you, when I picked them, I had forgotten who the Self-Righteous Brothers were. They had only had that one match, and so I honestly, I was like, which team is this? I, I was like, I don't know. I, I'm going, I like Video Drew. I'm going to go with her. So that's, that's why I picked them. And, you know, luckily for me, they, uh, they, they managed to pull through. Uh, so, you know, for my bracket, my bracket, I wound up getting uh, a 7 out of 8 total. So we will get into the, the, the next, the second match, uh, the final match, I should say, for round one here in a minute. But, uh, man, 30, 33 to 31 for the Looney Bin. Man, I, it was, it was, that's pretty wild. I mean, I'm honestly not sure completely how I f- should feel about this match uh, as a whole. There are great performances, like I said, man. 33 to 31, that is impressive. But the vibe was so odd between these two teams because, like I said, Whitney Seibold, who is in his own right kind of a, an odd duck, was the most normal individual out there. Um, and, and so it just had this real odd, weird vibe throughout the whole match. So I don't know. So that wraps up round or uh, match number one. Uh, before we get into the next, I'm going to take a little little ad break. Guys can hear about some of the other shows that we have right here on the Merc with a Movie Blog podcast feed. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Jay Wade and Kaylin here to tell you about SEN Afterlife. It's an after-show podcast where we expand on the week of craziness on SEN Live, as well as have guests on to join in the fun. Yep, and we get personal too. We do movie reviews, and at times we go way off the rails, which I guarantee is always Kalen's fault. Hey, how rude and not true. So come join us on the Mark with the Movie Blog feed, and remember to rate, share, and subscribe. And as always, enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Sarah, host of Go Get That Rose podcast, a podcast that is dedicated to talking about all things Bachelor Nation. Join Jay Wade, a man in his 40s who is recently new to all things Bachelor Nation, and myself, someone who has been watching passionately for the past three years. As we review, share our thoughts on each episode of whatever show is currently on TV, whether that is Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelor in Paradise. We might not even know everyone's names, but we have fun nonetheless. You can find us on Merkwood and Movie Blog Feed wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, and we are back. Please make sure to check out those shows and all the shows right here on the Merc with a Movie Blog podcast feed. All right, we're going to get into match number two now. And that is the Evil Geniuses, Lon Harris and Simon Thompson, his new partner, versus the Paddington 2, Alonzo Duralde and Matt Atchity. We get an opening scene here. Kaiser and Smets still at Universal looking for Mike Kalinowski. I love this little bit that they've been doing over the last couple of weeks uh, where they're just searching for Mike Kalinowski at Universal. Kaiser keeps calling this random train conductor dude John Roca, and it was hilarious. I don't know where this is all going and what it's going to lead to, but uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to end at Spectacular maybe or maybe like right before. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited. I love it. It's really fascinating. Uh, and I can't wait to see what the fruit of this 
uh, of this whole thing is all these little pieces how they're going to come together and uh, bring us something fun we'll, we'll find out so during the promos for this uh, Lon Harris declares that the this team is no longer the evil geniuses uh, they're not evil the, you know JTE is not there anymore so they renamed themselves the supreme intellect I thought that was a pretty cool pretty cool name I, I really I really enjoyed that so out first was the Paddington 2 followed by you heard, guessed it the supreme intellect no big entrances or anything crazy just getting out there to do their their stuff so we get into match or get into round number one and uh Simon Thompson not doing so well here he only winds up getting three points throughout this round uh, the rest of the players, they do great. You know, we've got both Matt and Lon getting perfect rounds. We get Alonzo with seven points. Um, unfortunately, they both miss, both Lon and Matt miss their bonus questions. So, you know, is what it is there. But the round does end 15-11 uh, to 11 in favor of Paddington 2. As, as I had said, you know, uh, Simon Thompson not doing so great. Now I know Simon Thompson from his days on uh, Meet the Movie Press. I used to listen to it when Jeff Snyder was on. It was him and Jeff, and I feel like I remember him always saying that you know there's a lot of movies that he doesn't that he hasn't seen that he doesn't know and things like that. So when I when I heard that they were bringing him in, I was like, really, si- Simon Thompson? Like I understand you know he he knows some movies, but. He always made it seem like he didn't know as much as like Jeff did and stuff. So it just seemed a little odd to me to to have to to hear that he was coming in, and he didn't do so good here. He he really needs to brush up on his on his movies if he wants to continue in this league. So we get into round number two. Paddington two spins Pixar, respins, and lands on Hitchcock. We find out that Hitchcock was one of the the slices that they chose, so they were pretty happy to land on that. And rightfully so, as they cleared the board. Really, it was Alonzo. Even even Matt Atchity confirms it. All of those answers, that was all Alonzo. And that's the great thing about a team. You know, you have these two people who really can balance one another. And allow, even if, you know, you, you land on a category that maybe one person doesn't know, the other person might just be able to, like, do what Alonzo did here or like what Tom did in the previous match. Just answer all these questions without a problem. And that's what Alonzo did. 12 out of 12 uh, points, getting all of them correct. Uh, ending their portion of round 1, 27 to 11. That's a 16-point deficit. They can only the, the Supreme Intellect can only get 12 points total. So at the best... They will be lacking uh, by four points going into, into round three. Unfortunately for them, it doesn't quite go that way. Uh, they spin Judd Apatow, and they decide to respin and land on uh, fantasy sci-fi, which is a, a category that I particularly am fond of. And it's what it probably, if I was in the Schmodown, it would probably be one of my strengths. It would probably be fantasy sci-fi and Kevin Smith, probably. Those would be my two strengths, really. Um, as... We see later on this category comes up again, and I do pretty well with all these questions. I, I yeah, I'd, I'd say I, I I impressed myself even. Um, but you know, 
Supreme Intellect, like I said, they needed to get all of them right at two points apiece to get just to, to still get be four points behind. Now they do get all of them right. I will give them that. They did clear their board. However, they went to multiple choice three different times, making it only nine points out of the possible twelve for this round. Uh, giving them a deficit of seven points. It's 27 to 20 uh, in favor of Paddington 2 coming out of round number two. Seven points is rough. Four points is possible. You could you could definitely come back from that. But seven points, that is a rough one to come back from. Uh, and then we get into round number three. And they do okay here. They miss uh, their first question and they get their three and five. So they are up by a point, but the Paddington 2 is just a bit too strong, and they are able to get their first question right and win the game 29-28. to 28. That is right. The Paddington 2 wins 29-28, to 28, and they move on to round number two of the Ultimate Schmodown Teams Tournament. During the, the post-interviews, it did seem like Lon might be kind of Giving up? I, I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but uh, I guess we'll have to wait until Season 7 to see what really is going to happen with Lon Harris. Uh, we did get an ending scene. Kaiser and Smets, again, still at Universal. They're at uh, Harry Potter Land. Kaiser sends Smets into the castle and tells him to stay in there until he knows all the house ghosts. And I, I'm really, like I said, I'm loving these. These are really fun. Uh, and it's, it's like... It, if you string them all together, it's going to be like a little story, and I kind of really dig that. I hope that once it's all said and done, somebody takes all these little pieces, puts them all together, slaps them up on YouTube so I can just watch it all back-to-back. Uh, -back. I think it'll be interesting. So that's the end of round number two. I mean, it, it wasn't super eventful. It was, a, it, was a, it was a good match, definitely, especially that round two, you know, all you just pounding out those answers, doing great, great jobs there. But... It wasn't super eventful, um, and so, you know, not a whole lot to talk about there. No controversies, no, nothing like that, no weirdness, no, nothing going on like that. Um, so before we get into round, or match number three, we're going to take one more ad break, let you know about uh, some of the other shows on here on the Merkman Movie Blog podcast feed, so enjoy. Hey everybody, Sean and Wade here to tell you about our new review show following each episode of Disney Plus's The Mandalorian. Dude, yes, Boba Fett! Not exactly, Wade. Set in the Star Wars universe, The Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi and follows a Mandalorian bounty hunter beyond the reaches of the New Republic. Yeah, Boba Fett. Did you even watch Return of the Jedi? Never mind. Join us here every week on the Merc with the Movie blog feed. <laughs> Thank God Galen will be here too. I don't think I can handle Wade on my own. Hey, it's Sarah, and I'd like to tell you about Afterlife. It's a weekly Collider Live after show podcast where Mike, Sean, and I give our takes on Roxy's Uranus Annex, on Yodi's producing skills, and whatever Cody and Alex are up to in that booth. In addition to having guests, we expand on the crew's discussions and add our own craziness to You can find the show on Merkwin and Movie Blog Feed on all the podcasting platforms. See you soon! Alright, welcome back, everybody. Uh, again, I am Josh the Merc Rainer, owner of Merc with a Movie Blog, and please check out all of those shows right here on the Merc with a Movie Blog podcast feed. 
So that wraps up all of round one for the team's tournament. And for match number three, we get to dive right in to round number two with Crimson Fury versus Who's the Boss. Crimson Fury, the bracket buster Stacy Howard and Tim the Tank Franco. Uh, they are the only team, Crimson Fury, that's the only match that uh, I, I got wrong for round one. They broke my bracket, and she broke my, my singles bracket as well. Uh, so I, I got to say, I will never underestimate Stacy Howard again. She has really shown that she can pull it out when it, when it counts. We will see uh, how she does in round two. Uh, as just like with round two of the singles tournament, she was unable to, to to move forward. Will that be the case here? I guess we will have to see. So we get an opening scene, and you guessed it. It's Kaiser. He's still at Universal. And he runs into none other than Janine the Machine. They're both there looking for Mike Kalinowski, wanting to give him a wedgie. Yes, you heard me right. A wedgie. I was like, what is going on here? But it was really just a fun, fun little little clip. Uh, so they head off together to, to try and find Mike and give him that wedgie. And the camera pans over to none other than the stat man, Frankie Numbers, Frank Janish, who spouts off some stats about the probability of them running into each other. And I thought that was that was pretty funny. I, I really like that. So, uh, yeah, be sure to check out Frank and his partner there, Brad Gilmore, over on the Schmodown Rundown. Uh, I love those guys. They're the inspiration for me to, to, to start this show. And here I am almost a year later still doing this show, and, and it's all thanks thanks to uh, Brad and Frank uh, or the Schmodown Rundown. So be sure to check them out every weekend. So uh, we get into things. We have uh, Mark Ellis and Clark Wolf on the desk. And during the tale of the tape for uh, Who's the Boss, I noticed something. And even Mark, I think, kind of noticed it. But he wasn't able to like correct, correct it, like go on and, and double-check things. Um, they say for the final uh, strength for Who's the Boss, it says, following Elf on ABC in 1986. And even Mark's like, I don't think that's the right... Uh, network but you know whatever and then when I, I was like I don't think it is either and I looked it up and Elf was actually on NBC start you know and it luckily they did get the year right it did start it did debut in 1986 but it was on NBC not ABC so yeah they did uh, kind of have a flow there but I just thought that would be something funny and interesting to uh, to point out to you guys especially since it was something that Mark kind of brought up himself so out first, we have Crimson Fury with Ken and Grace, followed by Who's the Boss with their manager, Tom Dagnino. Uh, no big things going on here. We get right into stuff for round number one. Real close game here. Both Stacy and Mark uh, managing to get six points with uh, Ben getting seven and Tim getting a perfect round. And he hits his bonus putting uh, Crimson Fury in the lead, 15-13 to 13 at the round, uh, end of round one. This was a solid round for both these teams. I was, I was really impressed. Tim Franco, he needs to, to get a singles run going. 
he's got some talent. So I, I definitely think I'd like to see a bit more of him. And uh, if Stacy can continue to be solid like that with him, I think that the, the that Crimson Fury as a team, as a whole, can really go places. So, so we get into round number two. Crimson Fury defers. Who's the boss? Spins Robin Williams. Uh, and they decide to respin and land on Fantasy Sci-Fi. Like I said before, it comes up again. Here it is. Fantasy Sci-Fi. And just like uh, Paddington 2 did in their round... They cleared the board, destroying it, getting all six questions for all 12 points here. That is impressive. Who's the Boss is not a team to trifle with. They are fantastic. And, you, I mean, you look at Ben Bateman's having a pretty damn good year. Mark Riley, I think, has really, uh, really found himself in this team. And, and I'm really enjoying watching them kind of go. So then it's... Crimson Fury, they spin 2000s, and then when they respin, beforehand, real quick, I noticed something uh, that, you know, during Who's the Boss's uh, turn, they spun the wheel, one of the one of the categories popped off the wheel. You know, that happens. Sometimes you spin too hard, whatever, it's, they're, they're just little magnets, and they just popped off. So, I noticed that during the first spin here, the little ticker on the wheel was like right up against the board right up against the wheel so it was like scraping on the the categories kind of moving them around and stuff like like pushing them here and there slowing things down i noticed that and then when they did the respin the wheel broke that little ticker popped right off and they they flashed to a uh technical like a technical difficulty screen kind of thing and then they came back and uh, they had Stacy, uh, who is now both a bracket buster and a wheel buster. They brought out a bucket for her with all the categories on pieces of paper for her to pick from. Uh, and she picked out scores and soundtracks. Now, the interesting thing about this whole, this whole scenario that, that took place, something that uh, I wanted to bring up that I thought was kind of funny. Um, Tom Dagnino came out uh, because he said... He did not want Stacy having the bucket right in front of her to just pick out because she could easily kind of like look in it and possibly see see a category. So, you know, she agreed to have him hold the bucket so that she couldn't see and she picked out her category. I thought that was I think that was the right call. Absolutely. I totally understood. And this is what a great manager does. They look out for their team in ways like this. What he did right there that was exactly what a manager should do, and I fully uh, endorse this decision, and I'm glad that they all agreed and allowed it to happen. And like I said, she picked out scores and soundtracks, and when we get into this round, it is a bit of a mess. It is a tough round, it, or a t- tough category, uh, and I'm sure when it was first chosen, who is the boss was like, yes, because that is strengths of both Ben and Mark. However, you know, we see Crimson Fury only gets three of these questions correct for five points. They miss three of them. They go multiple choice on two of these questions. And who's the boss is only out of the three possible steals, only able to capitalize on one of the multiple choice steals. They, they, miss, all, they miss the other two uh, uh, steal possibilities. 
which shows you that these uh, these scores and soundtracks questions aren't always easy, even for the people who it's in their in their wheelhouse for for who it's a strength of. So they only wound up with one point of steel, which is lucky for uh, for Crimson Fury, as it could have been a f- four points of steel. It really it could have, and it really could have uh, done extra damage to them. It, it was a rough it was a rough round for both teams. Uh, in this portion of it, at least, this, this portion, um, it, yeah, Crimson Fury, not doing great, but you know, it, it is what it is. There's not a lot you can do. It's all that, man. That wheel, whoo wee! You talk about having bad luck with the wheel. That's definitely <laughs> some bad luck with the wheel. So we end round one, twenty-six to twenty, in favor of who's the boss, and we hop into round number three. And unfortunately for Crimson Fury, they missed their first two questions. And who's the boss wins via TKO 26 to 20. This was rough for Crimson Fury. Um, I think that that you know, the wheel breaking and them getting scores and soundtracks, I really think it threw them off pretty pretty bad. And they never recovered, unfortunately for them. So this is where their time in the team's tournament ends. But who's the boss continues on to round number three. So this will be uh, fascinating to see. Um, I I personally, in on my bracket, I have them going up against the family. So I have the family beating uh, Paddington 2. So we'll see. I believe that drops today. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I, I really want to see this rematch uh, between Bateman and Guy. I want to see former uh, teammates going at it again, and I think it'll be fascinating. So we get an ending scene. We have Emma in the back waiting for Janine. And again, Emma out here attempting to recruit people. We saw her trying to get uh, Mark and Draco. Now she's over here trying to nab Janine away from Jay. And uh, Janine is torn about this, and she's wondering, where's Jay? You know, where is he when she needs him? She walks off and the camera pans over and there's Jay Washington asleep on a couch. This may cost him a, a player. Things are going to really shake up a lot, I think, when the draft finally does come around. That about wraps up everything for this week on Talking Schmodown. Three great matches and the beginning of the team's tournament. I am, or beginning of round two, I should say, of the team's tournament. I am really excited to dive deeper into round number two and see who can make it out on top. On the next episode of Talking Schmodown, we have the family versus Paddington 2, the odd couple versus Shazam, and T- the time machine versus the Looney Bin. These are the final three matches for round two. And then the week after, we will dive into round Three. We're getting closer and closer to the Schmodown Spectacular, so keep watching. Uh, and also, coming up soon, uh, I believe tomorrow, the Holiday Movies Exhibition Match drops for the $10 patrons and up. Uh, so be sure to check that out. If you are uh, not a patron, hop on over to the Patreon account and sign up now. That $10 gets you all the live streams, gets you... All these uh, exhibition matches, as soon as they drop, it is definitely worth it if you can do it. If not, then you know, just grab that $1 uh, Patreon 
and you'll still get these exhibition matches. You'll have access to all of them, uh, and you'll get them two weeks after they initially drop, but you'll have access to everything on there eventually. So definitely, definitely do that. And also, be sure to catch the Schmodown Spectacular on December 7th. Five huge matches. We've got William Bibiani versus Ben Bateman uh, in a number one contender singles match. We have Alex Damon versus Laura Kelly in a Star Wars title match. Mike Kalinowski versus Kevin Smets in the Inner Geekdom title match. Founding Fathers versus the winner of the team's tournament in a t- team's title match. And Paul Oyama versus either Ben Bateman or William Bibiani in a singles title match. And we will also find out the 10th manager during this show. The crazy thing for to me about this whole thing is that William Bibiani could be doing three matches during this. He's obviously facing off against Ben Bateman. If he beats Ben Bateman, he's going to face off against Paul Oyama. So that's two. And if Shazam wins the team tournament, there's another one. That's going to be triple duty for William Bibiani if things play out right for him. And that's that's wild. Uh, I don't. I'm curious how he'll he'll do it. I mean, he did do like three and a half hours standing at the at the free for all, so he may be able to pull this one out too. Uh, I'm excited for the spectacular. Be sure to check it out, and be sure to check us out over on Twitter at MovieBlogMerk. I'm also on Instagram at at MovieBlogMerk, and on Facebook and YouTube at Merk with Movie Blog. All of these shows are now available on YouTube. So if you prefer to uh, have YouTube up and playing while uh, you listen to your stuff, you can hop on over there and do that. Also, be sure to uh, subscribe to you know whatever podcasting feed you listen to. Um, check us out right here on Anchor. You can leave us a voice message. Uh, it could be a question, it could be a comment, whatever it is, and we will read it out on air. Just be sure to specify what show you're leaving it for, and we'll make sure it gets on that show. And if you guys are listening to this over on uh, Apple Podcasts, if you leave us a five-star review, we will read that out for you on air. So be sure to do that uh, as well. Thank you again from all of us here at Merc with a Movie Blog. I am Josh the Merc Rainer, and we have been talking Schmodown. Catch you next time.